Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is an ABC podcast. So I went to, you know, I'm obsessed with the Guilty Feminist podcast. (laughs) It's a goodie. Mm, Me too. Oh, I love Love it it. so much. But Felicity, you know Felicity Race, Mm. our sister who voted for the merger, (laughs) who's not in the room at the moment. You know, we've been banging on saying like, oh, the Guilty Feminist, this and that and that. She finally listened this Mm. week and she's like, oh, ladies, I just listened. We're like, welcome, Sandra Sandra Sully. Sully. (laughs) It's probably because she, her real name is Felicity. I'm not a feminist race. Yeah. Well, that's right, because she doesn't call herself no, a feminist. She's also never nude, but are they connected? <laughs> she's a never nude, merger voting, mm. non-guilty feminist. And we Sandra love Sully. her to bits and we wish she was here today. Yeah, that's the diversity of Felicity. <laughs> Hi to Sandra Sully, the real Sandra Sully, who I presume is listening to the show. Oh, of course she's she is. lovely. Anyway, we're to the guilty feminist. <laughs> yes. And as it happens, people give my the primary school that my kids go to a bit of a bad rap because, you know, that we're Gorman... <laughs> Gorman designed school uniforms, but um, <laughs> that's not even yes. a joke. But um, there's this group of really powerful, amazing women. I have met them and I have tried to become one of them. Um, they're called <laughs> feminists at the school gate. It's just a loose term. Anyway, one of the fem- <laughs> one of the feminists at the school gate is friends with Deborah Francis White, who oh. is the host and brains behind the Guilty feminist and so I have just been courting How's around that oh I get so nervous when they bring her up and I try to act cool and I'm like, oh yeah pockets in dresses you know stuff like that all that feminist talk and um anyway Deborah Francis White came out here to do some shows <gasps> yes. and I was like oh you know what would be a great thing is if Darcy Vessio was on the Guilty Feminist and it happened we pulled it off it totally happened on Sunday and so went to Thornbury Theatre and Darcy nailed it, of course, because mm. she's Darcy. And um, <laughs> the pod won't drop for at least, you know, two and a half years because I'm sure she's just banking episodes <laughs> as she travels around the world. But everyone got to do it, you know, and I'm a feminist but And I just think up them all the time. Mm. I've got so many. Mm. Give us one. Can you start? I'm a feminist but I watch so many episodes of Say Yes to the Dress that I know the entire <laughs> storeroom of Kleinfeld's <laughs> off the top of my head. What is that? Yeah, I'll tell you later. <laughs> and also I'm a feminist, but if I was a player I or if I was like a footy ops manager, I would put spray tan in a spray tanning machine in the footy department because it's just Why easier. Not? Why wouldn't right? you? Right, it's just reality. Yeah, yeah, Hashtag yeah. get with the program AFLW. <laughs> but then I realised I have so many I'm a feminist buts that I think actually I might be a misogynist. Mm. <laughs> in, disc- in a Uh, I've got one. I'm a feminist, but I have not left the house without eyeliner since 1984. (laughs) I didn't even know you wore eyeliner. No, you did that time. Do you remember that time you did and Dad was like, oh, my gosh, are you all right? Yeah. Do you remember? If I ever do, people tend to call triple O. Um, I'm a feminist, but I was once, I worked out that if I wear heels, I look well, taller, obviously, <laughs> but also thinner. And I've actually adjusted my calf muscles. Like they have actually been permanently shortened as a result of wearing high heels everywhere I go. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I can work, you know, I can stretch them out. I've stopped doing it. I'm getting better. Do you 
you liberate yourself in some flats, Nick? I will. I will. <laughs> Go get yourself a pair of Berkies. Well, I'm a feminist, but I did chuck, uh, pluck my chin hairs before I came in this morning. A fair play. Mm. Does, is there anyone who doesn't no. pluck? This is a bit of a tongue twister too. I applaud you, Kate, because your chin looks lovely. Thank you. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, I'm a feminist, but I absolutely love vacuuming. Like I love it. I just <gasps> can't get enough of it. I put up. Music, a bit of Iggy Pop. I want to break free. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of, no, I don't, not so much Queen. Uh, you know, a bit of Arnie DeFrank. No, whatever. This I just shocking. love vacuuming. Mm. Yeah. I'm Do you stuck. have any domestic chore you actually like doing? Me? Yeah. No. Literally nothing. Not one single thing. And if I never, ever did a thing around my house again, I hate cooking. I hate <gasps> cooking. I love food and eating. But if I never, uh, when my kids are done, like when they're grown, I will never cook again. I will never cook again. I'm a feminist, but I love my stick vacuum cleaner more than anything else in the world. I'm with you, Alicia. Yeah, good. Yeah. More than your yeah. husband, Andy. Yeah. He'll be listening to really this, by the close. way. I was thinking about it. Actually, my <laughs> vacuum cleaner doesn't cook me dinner. So, <laughs> Emma Race, before we were really close on Facebook, years and years ago, I asked you about a vacuum cleaner, a bit of a recommendation, and you told me. Stick vacuum cleaner. Stick vacuum. And it has been the best thing ever. And I just thought I'll just reach out to you and ask you about a vacuum cleaner and I did. And I was uh, right, wasn't I? I told you that stick vacuum cleaner would change your life and it did. Can I And is that why we're now the outer sanctum, this stick vacuum cleaner? Like has that brought us all together? Can I, I ask a question one? though? Like I what, don't have one. what is the difference between a stick yeah, vacuum know. cleaner and it's just cordless? a vacuum cleaner? It doesn't plug in anywhere. Oh. See the Hello. freedom. You get the freedom to vacuum <laughs> you, whatever you like. So you really Scares did want to break free and yeah, then I did. you did break yeah. free. Is that the vacuum cleaner you sing to? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, I, have to I can't get enough of yeah. vacuuming. Okay. She's a dominant force. If there is a weak spot out there, she can actually turn that around and use it to your advantage. At the top of the goal square, she kicks it. She snaps a spectacular tumbling goal. And the Simon Groundbreakers, history makers. This is The Outer Sanctum on ABC Radio. It sure is the Outer Sanctum. Welcome back for another week. I am your host, Emma Race, and I'm so pleased to be here. As always, I am joined by my football-loving lady friends for the next hour. I'll let them introduce themselves. I'm Kate Sear. I'm Nicole Hayes. I'm Lucy Race. And I'm Alicia Sometimes. Hello, my pumped friends. We are into uh, round three, and it's so exciting because it, like round three is like you're halfway through the season. <laughs> We're in the depths of the season. We're in the real depths of the season. Season, ladies. We have a huge lineup of AFL superstars today. To be fair, I think they're all superstars. Um, Bulldogs uh, superstar Isabel Huntington, who will soon be making her return, is going to join us. We'll also be speaking with Brisbane goddess and powerhouse Sabrina Frederick Traub, who is Nicole's actual favourite in the whole wide world. So we'll have to make sure we cap that, I think. We're also <laughs> going to hear from Sarah Perkins, who talks us through that amazing goal celebration from last week, uh, which has been a talking point throughout the week. Frio have been, I have to say, a huge surprise to nearly everyone this season except for the Outer Sanctum's own Nicole Hayes (laughs) who tipped them early and she tipped them Big. You're feeling quite proud of yourself, Nick, aren't you? I am, and this is a rare moment, so I'm going to really like <laughs> roll around in it for a little bit. Yes. Well, we were enjoying. You've been. You've really been like bigging yourself up about <laughs> it, smug. and there's a lot of confidence, a lot of smugness about it. But we were talking last night about things that you've tipped early or things that you've predicted, um, and that have caught other people by surprise. To be fair, 
Not all of them were football. Um, <laughs> mine was that I was really proud that I can tip what celebrities are going to call their unborn babies. <laughs> and it's just a skill. Kate, what have you predicted? Well, I predicted that the AFL men's competition would become AFL-M or known as AFL-M. That hasn't <laughs> fully happened yet, but it's getting there. It's catching on. So oh. I feel like I'm just going to claim it as a prediction now. Fair enough. Lucy, what have you predicted? I went and saw a little a preview of a little film called Frozen with my <laughs> son. And as we came out, we went, that's going to be a hit. <laughs> <laughs> you need to let that go. <laughs> Alicia, what have you tipped? And as listeners would know, I pick everyone. So I'm bad at predictions, so much so that after I've kissed a boy and they, they have to say to me, you know how we kiss? Well, I really like you. And that's always comes as a shock to me. <laughs> I think the only thing I've ever predicted is that my dad was going to buy pizza one night that, you know, I seriously can't predict anything. I just oh, get it so wrong. I my, like a pizza prediction though. Yes, that's not so bad. Same. So we want to hear today what you have have predicted. Look, it would be great if it was football related, but you know, at the outer sanctum, things are not always. Sometimes they're culture driven. Or oh, everything is related to football is another way of looking at it. That's a very good point. Mm. All roads Hayes. lead back to football. They yeah. do. Um, last night, that game, the Kangaroos. Mm. Oh my gosh, they continued their statement footy last night, taking down the reigning premiers. This is how it played out. It was a night Courtney Munn will never forget. North have got three free in their 50 with no defenders on them at this stage. Gillespie Jones sees that, plays on, kicks over the top and the first game up, Munn kicks the first goal from the goal square. Mark taken by Bruton, she bangs towards the top of the goal square, oh, up in mark. front, good mark. Munn's got it again, got her first goal and now she's got her second, Courtney Munn making a mark in AFLW. Emma Carney, she's going to sit it up to the top of the square, look for the high flyers, and the high flyers right at the back of the pack. Duffin kicks the goal, the third for the Kangaroos. Ashmore's going to get a free kick here. Is she passing this one, Jamie? Oh, Cashy won't pass. <laughs> <laughs> Looks good off the boots. It's home. That's a very stylish finish. Right to the goal line, opportunity for the Rose to get a finish, and Munt kicks the third. What a debut to the youngster. Bruton kicks inside 50 for the Kangas to the pocket again in front. Ashmore couldn't mark. Rove by Munn. Dribbling oh, ball. No. Do right. not tell me it is wow. a taboo for the ages. Courtney Munn with a Dacos-like dribbler from the right forward pocket for her fourth. On debut no less. And the Roos have got three on the trot. North Melbourne, eight goals, five. 53 have defeated the Western Bulldogs. Three goals, four. 22 by 31 points. She was amazing last night, mm -hmm. Courtney Munn. So were those North Melbourne um, Tasmanian kangaroos, Lucy. They were. It was interesting that there was so much talk about Emma Carney playing her old team, but I thought Jenna Bruton was actually really damaging. She had something like 
22 disposals and six tackles. And her pressure, just her defensive pressure and her work rate was unbelievable. That's true. We will be speaking to um, the North Melbourne midfield coach next week, LJ Moorcroft, which I'm really looking forward to because that midfield is just it's really hard to shut down. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. And when you when you have Courtney Munn who's kicking all these goals, mm. but also Emma King has really stepped mm. up. Yeah. And she's loving being She's at having North, a great time she? down there, isn't she? Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, North made quite a few errors and gave the Bulldogs some opportunities there and they just really couldn't capitalise on it. And I feel like they're feeling the, you know, the losses that they've had over this draft season um, that the Bulldogs, and also some of the players that they're missing, including, you know, one Izzy Huntington, but Brooke Lockland as well. I, f- I feel like they suffered for it. Yeah, one of the really interesting stories, of course, was Courtney Munn. And there was a lot of chat on social media last night about who she was and where she had come from. And I think it's worth mentioning a couple of things. So she was recruited from the St Kilda VFLW team. She kicked 10 goals in 2018 and then four last night alone. So what a performance. And Hawthorne's VFLW coach, Patrick Hill, I saw him tweet out and say that there had been a bit of conjecture in the first few weeks of the competition about whether there was enough talent across the country and enough enough depth for expansion clubs and and that Courtney Munn is is actually an, an example of what's happening across the country that mm. there are these players who didn't get opportunities until now who can really play and it will be interesting because St Kilda comes into the competition next year with an expansion through the expansion so it'll be interesting to see if North can keep her yeah. and uh, whether she will be lured back to, uh, to her club. That's a really good point. We are going to hear from Courtney Munn in a moment, but Pip has called from Geelong. Hello, Pip. How are you? Good morning, ladies. How are you doing? Well, we're very excited because it's AFLW and we're loving it. <laughs> but what have you, have you predicted something? Yeah, we have something pretty special and delightful happening with my two sisters and my mum. We've always had it. We can always tell when it's one of us ringing on the phone and it doesn't doesn't matter whether it's the home landline or the mobile phone, but we can can just say it sounds different. We can tell that it's mum ringing. I always thought that I'd get the same thing with my husband eventually, but I can't tell when it's him calling. (laughs) (laughs) The power of the sisterhood is very strong. So I've had to change my mobile phone. If it's my husband ringing, it has a different ringtone. But if it's mum or my sisters, I know it's them. Oh, that is hilarious. Kate, have you got a prediction there? We do. We're starting to get some um, feedback on Twitter. So thanks, everybody, who's getting involved on socials. We've got a tweet from Rana Hussein who's a friend of the podcast and who um, listeners might know is at the Richmond Football Club as their diversity and inclusion coordinator. And and Rana has said, I have prophetic dreams. Just saying. There's a list of things I've seen in my dreams before they happen. Here are some. One, Tige's loss in the prelim final last year. We don't talk about that one, she said. (laughs) Two, Kate Middleton's wedding dress. (laughs) And three, my colleague getting engaged. These are just a few. Rana, I'll be in touch later and you can tell me the uh, the lotto numbers <laughs> next week. <laughs> We've had one through from Pete who says that Katie Brennan is to become the buddy of women's footy, if she's not already. Lions, best yet to come. And Blue's not as bad with the results. And look, they will cause at least one big upset this year, which is very possible, Pete. I wonder if Courtney Munn could have predicted that this is how her first game would play out. <laughs> Let's listen to Courtney Munn now. Courtney, thanks for joining us uh, here on ABC Grandstand. What a debut from you. You must be buzzing. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. It hasn't really sunk in yet, but I'm sure at some stage tonight it will. But, yeah, it feels pretty amazing. We've got some friends and family behind us uh, saying that 
this interview is going to earn you a couple of fines? Oh, yeah, that's probably likely, yeah, a couple of dollars. So won't go too heavy on the bank, but I'll live. <laughs> Generally, when a player debuts, all they want to do is get out there, not make any mistakes, keep their head down uh, and just do their job for the team. You did far more than that tonight with four goals. Oh, look, yeah, I was just going in, ready to have a bit of fun, ready to play my role, and yeah. Run us through that Peter Dacos-style goal from uh, the pocket that we're actually standing in here at York Park, that dribble goal that managed to just squeeze its way through. It was a thing of beauty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It came off the boot. Can't say I've made that one many times at training, but it happened to go in today, so I was pretty soaked when it did. And how's the week been as a whole, uh, getting your jumper and getting told that you're going to debut and then playing the game itself and playing so well? Yeah, it was a pretty amazing week getting that phone call from Scotty to tell him to tell me that I was in. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. That's not just any win. That's a win over the reigning premiers. It's a strong victory and a real signal of intent for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we were going into this game treating it as if it was any other game pretty much. We're taking it one game at a time, hoping we can get there in the end to get that premiership. We've already got the cliches down, Pat. I love it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Can't wait to see you dominate the AFLW uh, for the rest of this season and for years to come. Thank you very much. Courtney Munn there speaking to ABC Grandstand after the game. One person who had a very clear view, I would imagine, of some of the spectacular goals last night was our next guest. She is a Bulldog superstar. We've watched her play for a number of years, but we cannot wait to see her back on the field. Isabel Huntington, welcome to the Outer Sanctum. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Always good to chat. Well, we're so pleased to have you here. Now, the Kangaroos obviously got the points last night and they were they were impressive. This cannot be a surprise to you because, of course, the North Melbourne Kangaroos are the feeder team um, with the Melbourne Uni team and you've played for them. Are you surprised at what they brought last night? No, I think we've seen in, in the past couple of weeks and, um, yeah, I guess across their establishment over the past few years how sort of well-structured they are and being involved. In Melbourne Uni, I know, um, you know, Laura Kane, who's sort of in charge there. Um, she's done a fantastic job and they obviously did well recruiting uh, in the off-season as well. So uh, no surprise that they're doing pretty well and um, obviously played a, a, lot, a great game last night and, and got the points over us, which was disappointing for me. But, um, yeah, to see them performing well is great for the competition. Uh, so, unfortunately, we didn't get to see you last night because, famously, you have been out with an ACL. You've had a couple of ACL injuries, unfortunately. And in this week's paper, you wrote a fascinating article about about uh, your experience of, of having those two ACL injuries and then the long road to coming back. And one of the things you talked about really caught my eye. You said that you'd been part of an ACL club with, <laughs> with players from other AFLW teams. Um, I'm really interested in hearing how did the club form and what did being part of it entail? <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Um, so, yeah, I think after... A few of us went down with ACLs last season, which was pretty unfortunate. I um, guess we were just chatting. Um, a few of the Melbourne-based ones, uh, Bree Davey, Mel Hickey, Sal Lampard and Ainsley Kemp. Um, and we sort of just thought we might as well get together a few times throughout the year and sort of just check up on each other in terms of how rehab was going and, you know, what the next steps were and just provide a bit of support for each other, which, I mean, it seems sort of a funny thing because we're all from different teams but I think that's the beauty of AFLW is that um, a lot of the players have come from the same VFL clubs and we know each other pretty well so to be able to sort of bound together and, and know what uh, you know each of us are going through is pretty important so that was good yeah good to catch up throughout the year with them and it's good to see that um, yeah they're, they're all getting out of the park including Hickey this week. You were elevated this year to their leadership group so clearly you've played an important role off field as well as you know when you're on on field can you tell us a little bit about that role? 
Yeah, um, very humbling appointment for me. It's the, the leaders that we've got in that group and that we've had in previous years in that group are phenomenal and uh, people that I look up to very much so. So to be involved in that is, yeah, really incredible and something that I'm very, yeah, fortunate to be a part of. But I guess, yeah, the leadership group, I mean... At the end of the day, we've got a lot of leaders at the club and, um, you know, you don't necessarily need that title to be able to step up and, and be that leader. But I guess just, just providing that guidance um, to the other players and particularly some of the, the newer players and, um, yeah, always being that source of support for them is really important. And, you know, I'm still learning a lot from, you know, the players that we have in the leadership group and the players that we don't have in the leadership group in, in terms of that leadership. So I think it's a good experience for me to sort of be involved in that and, and then, yeah, hopefully can continue that into the future. I was reading that as a science student, uh, you have a heightened interest in uh, getting as much information on women's knee injuries as possible. And we've been speaking about predictions and, of course, the actual science of predictions here. But um, (laughs) I'm just really fascinated in what you are studying with your science and, uh, you know, what do you want to be when um, you uh, football is well behind you, you know, when you're 82 or something? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I've always been pretty passionate about science throughout school and I've always had a, a bit of a desire to study medicine at some stage. So, um, yeah, currently doing an undergrad degree in science, which is super interesting and, and hoping to potentially um, do postgrad medicine in the future if that is a pathway I take. So, um, yeah, I yeah, definitely have an increased interest in the sort of whole science around all the ACLs and, and what's happening, particularly, you know, um, having gone through it twice so far. So, yeah, I've been reading a few articles recently and it's, it's quite interesting. We are speaking with Bulldogs number one draft pick, Isabel Huntington, who's also a complete brainiac and an ACL <laughs> expert, Nicole. Wouldn't have thought. <laughs> Counting down the weeks now, a couple of the, the prediction that you'll be back around five. What's it like watching and how are you keeping your spirits up and, you know, as you count the days down before you can return? Yeah, I mean, obviously uh, it's, it's tough not being out there and I'd love to be out there just as any other player in the team would sitting on the sidelines. But I think uh, having the experience of been through a couple of long-term injuries across my years has sort of, yeah, put me in good stead to be able to handle that relatively well. And to be honest, at the start of the season, as much as I'd love to be out there, I just love watching AFLW and I just get so excited to watch the dogs run out there and, you know, any other team run out there as well. Like for me to be able to see women's sports flourish is amazing and then to be able to cheer my team on from the sidelines is, yeah, something I get very excited about despite not playing. But, yeah, definitely keen to to get back out on the field and saying that and, yeah, hopefully it will happen around five and just got to tick a few more boxes off and, and make sure everything goes to plan between now and then. But I'm hoping to be back then. Izzy, when you, you're just saying sitting on the sidelines, is that where you actually sit when you're injured? <laughs> what happens during game day? Have you been given a role? Because I know that it can actually really um, help some players, um, mental adjustment and, and them feeling part of the team if they have a role on game day. What do you do on game day now that you've been injured? Um, this year, I've sort of just decided to, to with the coaching team to um, you know sit back and, and watch from the sidelines with the other non-playing players and just for me, focus focus on getting back to footy. So I haven't got an official title or official sort of role at this stage. But, um, yeah, we all sit together as the players that, that aren't on the, the field that time and um, sit with a few of the staff. And just to be able to, like, sort of analyse the game and, and commentate it a bit with the others is helpful um, for, you know, sort of everyone's learning. Next week, Izzy, you guys take on Brisbane in a grand final rematch. How is Paul Groves going to help sort of reset and, and get you to think about that game? 
Yeah, it's it's important, I think, the reset that you speak about because we're in a seven-week competition. So, you know, a loss can be super damaging, but to be able to, you know, come back out the next week and, and have a win and just um, not sort of focus on, on last week's performance is going to be really important for us. So just throughout the week, well, obviously, recovery, first and foremost, is huge for us. You know, you turn around so quickly, but being able to sort of mentally reset, I think, is going to be important for, for Grovesy to, to lead in, in the team. And, yeah, sorry, not, not focus too much on last week's, sorry, last night's performance. And really, but, but in saying that, knowing what we can improve next week will be huge because Brisbane are obviously a good side and we've seen that over the past few years and um, had a few good encounters with them. So that mental reset, I think, will be the biggest thing. Izzy, thank you so much for joining us today. We know that you have to get on a plane so you can get back home, but we're so, um, we love having your voice in the game and you bring a really unique perspective and um, I know that players' value is often just when they're playing, but you bring so much more to the game. So thank you so much for spending time with the Outer Sanctum today. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. It was great to chat. It was great to hear from Izzy. I have wondered how hard North must have approached her as well, given that she does have that relationship. Mm. I didn't want to put her on the spot by asking, but we'll have to ask sometime down the track. We're loving getting some of your predictions coming through. I've just, uh, we've got one coming through from Pete saying, yay, Pies have selected Nicole Hildebrand, who, while maybe not the most flashy player, is a great kick and sets up attack out of defence. So that's exciting, actually. Nick Hildebrand's been such a stalwart of um, women's football and we are looking forward to seeing her come back. And also this, from Phineas, is Munn's debut the best debut since Adrian McAdams' 10 goals in AFL-M in the early 90s? I guess that's up to debate. It's a very good call. (laughs) Uh, We have been joined by Lorna. She's given us a call from Bairnsdale. Lorna, have you made a prediction? Yes, I predicted my grandson's birth. My son had said he wasn't having any more kids and I'd been begging the Lord to take me home because I was in a lot of pain, and I kept having this dream. This little boy was driving around my feet in a little toy car and wouldn't let me go anywhere, and I kept having it all the time. So I texted my son and asked if his wife was pregnant, and he didn't answer me. And a couple of weeks later, I um, rang him, and I said, look, is your wife pregnant? And he said, "Um, uh, yeah. (laughs) And I said, oh, you're going to have a boy. And he said, and he said, oh, you could have um, told that we're about due to have another one. I said, you said you weren't having any more kids. Anyway, later on they had a test and he rang me back and he said, what did you say we were having? And I said, you're having a boy. And he said, you're right. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I just got goosebumps, yeah. Lorna. We're tearing up. Did they at least name little the little boy after you? Is it a little boy no. called Lorna? Oh. No, but they gave him a name I don't even like. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Thanks so much for giving us a call, Lorna. Kate, did you get another prediction? Lorna, that's amazing. Well, actually, it just reminds me of another, um, a, a similar story, a similar prediction or a vision, if you like. I remember years ago, Aaron Rolston. Does everyone remember Aaron mm. Rolston? He's the guy who went out hiking in, in Utah or wherever, wherever it was in the United States and got stuck, trapped oh. between a boulder and had to um, yeah, pack his yeah, arm pack off. His arm yeah. off. Yeah. Yes. No. I was going to say, it's early in the morning. There's I wasn't no sure nice what way to... Saying. That, There's no there? nice way of saying that, but he did in order to free himself and he survived. And And I know that in his – I read his book and he said that um, several days in when he'd been in the desert and, you know, he hadn't eaten for days, he hadn't drunk water, he was really close to death, he had a vision of his son, his, oh. his, of seeing his son and, and of surviving and going on to get married and have a child, and he did. Oh. So there's something to it, Lorna. Mm. There is. There absolutely oh is. Okay, I had a prediction, which was that Carlton was going to look like a completely different team this year, and I think we saw that last weekend and I'm really looking forward to seeing them play today. 
Did anyone else have any takeaways? I mean, we've probably like been pouring over the results from last weekend, but did anyone else have any takeaways from last weekend from the matches? I had a little standout and um, and I don't know whether, you know, because I'd spoken to Ashley Sharp's mum after um, the round one game, but her two goals that she kicked last week were unbelievable. <laughs> she had one that was a big a run and carry sort of goal on the run and then she had this other one that was this great little snap from the pocket. I just thought, you know, for a team that we were talking pre-season about, you know, not being able to find the goals, they as a team have done such a great job of having such a great spread of goal kickers and some really extraordinary, beautiful goals to watch as well. I love those gorgeous goals. What about you, Alicia? Oh, even though I was on my couch and I know you were there, Lucy, uh, Collingwood, Melbourne, um, two decades after the Magpies had their last game at Vicky Park and then they play again. Col- Collingwood were looking good the first quarter, but then it was all Melbourne, wasn't it? It was just absolutely, Aliso Day was just incredible. Um, I did love Collingwood's Emma Grant and Ash Brazil. I was emotional from the couch and I was shouting and and maybe I don't know where Collingwood goes from here, but I'm mm. hopeful. I think Hildebrand coming back into the team is, yeah. is a big thing for them. But there was also something really beautiful about Victoria Park um, yes. coming mm. back to life. Yeah, it was mm. beautiful. And also to have those, those two um, suburban grounds kind of running concurrently um, in Victoria and then no footy in Victoria this yeah. <laughs> weekend. Kate? Well, you mentioned briefly um, the performance by Carlton last weekend, which I just wanted to mention. So Carlton played the Crows in what I thought was probably the, the game of the round at Princess good. Park, as we mm. like to call it. I was super impressed by Carlton, who played some really attacking footy and were in front for a, a lot of the game and looked to me like they were going to come away with the points. Special mentions to Maddie Presparkas, who was fantastic. She had, um, you know, 20-odd 20, 20 disposals. Jade Van Dyke, who also played a terrific game. And Sarah Hosking, who was terrific, I thought. Lucy and I sat mm. together and were just super impressed by her. Um, but the Crows really showed that they can step it up when they need to and I think reminded the competition of how strong they are, how good they can be. Erin Phillips was terrific. Stevie Lee Thompson was a revelation mm. to me. I mean, she's been a good player for a long time, but 17 disposals and four goals. Um, but one of the moments of the, the game came from Sarah Perkins, who Lucy and I were lucky enough to catch up with after the game. Well played today. It was an amazing game. You guys were 17 points down at one stage. What what happened? What turned it around? Yeah, I must admit it was pretty nerve-wracking to be out there when we're 17 points down, but I think we just brought back to our composure um, around the footy and just really stuck to our structures and, um, you know, put in the work that we've done the whole pre-season and especially over the last week about moving the ball forward. You kicked a goal today. That must have felt nice with your first game back into the team. Yeah, I think it's just nice to actually get a kick. If you look at my stats from last season, I only averaged one kick. So, yeah, it's nice to get a couple of today and then, yeah, to get on to the end of a goal, which was, yeah, always good. If you're going to average one kick, might as well make it a goal. Well, I was a bit nervous. I was like, I'm not even going to get a kick. But, no, um, Anne Hutchard hit me in the best kick I've ever seen her do in three years. And, yeah, straight on the chest and, yeah, just finished off her lovely work. Speaking about Anne Hutchard, tell us, <laughs> <laughs> talk us through the goal celebration because you kicked this goal at a really crucial point in the game when you were 17 points down and then you celebrated with your famous bump. Yep. But it seemed like it went a bit wrong. Talk us through it. Well, I mean, that famous bump normally happens with Rhiannon Metcalf, who's unfortunately out for the year with her ACL injury. So um, I, I turned to Hatchie at the start of the game and I said mate I said if I kick a goal run up to me and I said we'll do mine and Reese celebration 
Well, she came in with a bit more force. I landed on her foot. She went over, all in good fun. And yeah, I'm sure. Hopefully, Beastie likes it. I don't think I didn't ask her permission, so hopefully, she's okay with it. So it was Hatchie's fault, though. Is that what you're telling us? No, it was my fault. <laughs> I uh, I landed on Hatchie's foot, and it made her fall on her butt. So it made for good TV. I actually think it's going to be one of the iconic moments of this season, <laughs> and you've had a few of them. Is do you try to be iconic, or does it just happen? No, I just try and do something different. Um, nearly every game I play, I generally have a, a standard one that I'll go to, which um, i got lots of practice, obviously, at the VF, VFL season at the Hawks. But um, no, I just try and do something a bit different. And if I I think, for me, it's my passion, and I throw that, show that in my celebrations. And I feel like if I can show my passion for a split second, it gets the rest of the field up. So, yeah, that's just something that I try and do. You mentioned the VFLW season. We, we can't go past um, mentioning it that you won a flag with Hawthorne. What has that meant to you and, and has that added to your game this year, do you think? Uh, yeah, well, definitely. I mean, the, the year after season one, I only flew in to Melbourne and played about five games for the Devils. Um, and it just gave me continuity to be, you know, around that team environment, the really elite environment that Hawthorne have. And um, Paddy Hill was obviously brought to the group. I mean, I'm pretty sure I saw on social media they were trekking up a hill um, today in Tassie. So I think I'm going to have to climb about seven hills by the time <laughs> I get back. No, I was really special and obviously being a Hawthorne supporter and, yeah, just fueled that fire in the belly to come back for season three and play better than I did season two. Round one was frustrating for the Crows and you would have liked to have got that win. Now you've got a win on the board. How is the team feeling about the rest of the season? Yeah, so obviously last week, like you mentioned, was really frustrating. I mean, one eleven's not going to win your games of footy, but we, I mean, we only lost by one point. So that's the thrill that AFLW is. And, you know, nothing really changed for us. We just uh, really worked on our structure and got back to basics and, and you know, working on our composure. And, and that'll be the same going forward. Um, you know, Doc's done a really good job with us over the pre-season of, you know, making sure that we're all leaders. We're not relying on three or four people that we may have had, may have done in the first couple of seasons. So, um, you know, nothing really changed. We'll just keep going forward. And at the end of the day, we're just taking it sort of one step at a time. There's a lot of enthusiasm and excitement about North and Geelong, who are new teams in the competition, um, but they haven't been together for a long period of time, unlike your group. So what do you think have Having had a core group together for a period of time like that does to a team and, and do you think it gives you an edge over the North and Geelong teams? I'm not sure. I mean, Geelong have done a really good job with the VFL for the last two years in trying to keep a core group of girls together. I'm not sure about North. They're very good. They're looking very strong. So, And we've got Geelong next week, I believe, and then we've got North two weeks after that. So um, we've obviously got a very tough conference, but, I mean, you just got to look at some footage and, look, they're both damaging teams. I mean, they've got lots of, obviously, star players in each line. So, yeah, just take it as it comes. I'm Kiara Bowers, and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. You are listening to The Outer Sanctum, Kiara Bowers. Thank you so much for your input. <laughs> and we're loving getting um, some SMSs from you. This one just in from a doggies die hard. Hi, Sanctumers. If there was any lingering doubt that women's footy is just as important to me as the men's footy, that's been eliminated by the fact that I kind of didn't really want to tune in and listen to you this morning because I'm still sulking about the doggies loss last night. Cheers from a very salty gigs. Oh. Poor fella. Poor gigs. And uh, we've got a lovely tweet in from Pep. She says, OMG, listening to you goddesses live for the first time ever and loving it. I'm loving the community that AFLW and The Outer Sanctum is creating. Met some other listeners at a game last week and plans to meet others. It's pretty oh, damn incredible. I love that. Thank you, Pep. That is happening a bit. People mm. are coming up and saying hello, which we really appreciate. And, um, in fact, I think someone sitting in front of us at the Melbourne game last week, Lucy was listening into our entire conversation then turned around and said, I love your show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I think she knows what we're getting mum for her birthday. Um, now, I think it's time for us to roll up our sleeves, Kate McCarthy style, <laughs> and melee ladies, because we love the topics of the week. Katie, what has caught your eye, Doc? Well, I've been thinking about conferencing, actually. Mm. So now that we're a few weeks or a couple of weeks into the season and we're starting to get a feel for how the conferencing system actually works, I have some reflections on it. So just for those who may not recall, the AFL has introduced this this year for the first time. A lot of people um, felt it was really controversial. I certainly was really opposed to the idea at first because the, the competition is split into two conferences, A and B. Generally, those in Conference A play each other. In the main, there's a couple of cross-conference games, but then the first two teams of each conference go through to a semi-final and then from there to a grand final. Last weekend, it became particularly clear that there could be a problem with the conferences because a clear divide appears to have opened up between Conferences A and B. A looks like a stronger conference. That's mm. the truth of it. Um, last week, at the end of last week's round, if you sat Conference A on top of Conference B, it actually formed a ladder. Yeah. Mm. And what what that meant is that it was plausible that the team that finishes effectively sort of sixth or seventh, if it was a conventional ladder, might end up playing in the grand final and that didn't look too fair. There's some things about it I really like and Lucy and I, um, I know we, there's a bit Mud of a, a difference of opinion <laughs> about this, but look, if you think about it, one of the things is that there's a two in five chance of it in each conference of qualifying for a semi-final, whereas last year you had a two in eight chance of qualifying for the grand final. Did you just do stats? I did mm. stats. I mean, I'm looking at Alicia because she's the sort of sciencey, mathy, mathematician person. <laughs> I'm nodding. wondering she's if nodding. I've got that right. Uh, it also means that those cross-conference games, so when a team from A plays a team from Conference B, they hold a lot more intrigue, I think, and they have some serious disruptive potential. So there's a couple of those this weekend. The, the Crows will play the Cats in a cross-conference game this afternoon and you can't predict how they're going to go because it's not a conventional ladder. Mm -hmm. And so I think that makes it quite interesting. And tomorrow the Lions, who are at the top of Conference B, play the Ds, who, who are at the bottom of Conference A. And on paper, Lions would seem to be the strongest, but it becomes very difficult to judge. I don't think there's anything in it that the Conference A is better than Conference B. I think we're two rounds in. We mm. know how quickly things can change. Yep. And But what was interesting is the thought that GWS maybe last week didn't want to play on in the thunderstorm because it would have really, really? suited them now mm. that they know what you know North's what North looks up. like. It does know. feel – it does – look, I feel like um, one of, it might make – based on your theory, the home and away a little bit more interesting because there are so many unknowns. My concern is it'll end up with a, an un, like a one-sided grand final, which is not a good look, and, and given we only have a two-week final series. But the... The other thing that I think is the real downside, and of course we're two weeks in, the you know the strongest team in the competition at the moment, North, wouldn't be able to play the most likely contender who could actually take it to the Fremantle. They they're not going to meet in a grand final, and that does yeah. take some of the fun out of the idea of the you know of how it works. I'm kind of with you, Nick. I don't like it. I say maths schmaths. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> and, hard and to say. It's very hard to say. I've now realised. <laughs> but I think I really I think we're going to see. There's going to be a team that's really going to be bad luck missing out. This yeah. I think there's going to be some real hard luck stories with it. Oh, I love math schmaths on your t-shirt. By the way, it looks really good. Um, I think it's really been interesting seeing in uh, online that they've got it like an AFL ladder. So a lot of don't have conference A and B. They're just putting it as from you know one 
the numbers. So it's interesting. What has been a revelation, though, is that a little (laughs) thing that we did on the pod here about how to remember which team is in Conference A and Conference B, which was not scientific at all, but has somehow resonated. You can catch up on our social media. We've put a list of how you can remember. Uh, For example, Collingwood is in B, B. and you remember that by Bollingwood. Bollingwood. Laminate it, put it on the back of your toilet door. (laughs) It it seemed crazy at the time, but I think it's working. We're getting great feedback. So we're just just here to help. It's foolproof. It is foolproof. Lucy, Darcy Vessio wrote an article yesterday which really just um, put her, set her above and apart from. Like she's really vocal on this issue of the dissenters. She is. And I think it's, you know, it's not going to go away. We saw Sarah Perkins cop some terrible um, comments on social media, so much so that. Fox had to take down a video that they'd put on Twitter. But Darcy wrote this article in the Herald Sun on how she deals with the trolls. And what I liked about what she said is she acknowledges that, um, you know, some people think you should just sort of leave it. But she feels like players have a a good support network around them. Um, The reason she speaks up is for the people who don't have, you know, that support system around them or don't have a platform. I think we need to remember that underpinning the issue of um, criticism on social media and on um, public platforms of AFLW is basically that it feeds into a culture of disrespect at best or misogyny at worst. Darcy did a great little cartoon that's who is listening. And in this cartoon, she depicts um, a man watching football saying, I really don't like it. And sitting next to him is a little girl holding a football. A lot of the comments that we tend to hear from people who are dissenters, and you can argue whether they're haters, dissenters, just, you know, sharing their opinion, but they fall into the categories of why is this being pushed on us? Why can't they do this quietly? Um, Why should it be, it shouldn't be covered? Um, How dare you call them stars? They will never be as good as men or it's PC gone mad. And all of these attitudes have a common theme of basically saying you're not good enough and we don't want to see you, which is in effect telling women and girls um, and people who really enjoy women's football that you actually don't deserve to take up any space. Mm-hmm. Have a think about that because we're living in a time in 2019 when most people have access to more television channels, more streaming options, more like via the internet, you can watch or listen to anything mm. all around the world. You can read any newspaper, any magazine, listen to sports shows from anywhere. And what these people are saying is that they can't share the space for three months. I think that is the issue that Darcy's kind of fighting back about. And you wrote an article this week, Emma, that kind of picks up on this theme. I did. So last week I wasn't on the show because I had um, started my – I'm doing um, a fellowship with the Our Watch Foundation and, you know, I've been really interested in trying to use sport as a vehicle to help stamp out violence against women. And the thing that came out of um, what I learnt last week was a really hopeful – little kernel of thought, which is that actually prevention, and that is talking about how we can actually solve this problem, it can solve the problem. It can do a really big, enormous job at helping solve um, violence against women and violence in the home, domestic violence and family violence. And so that's something that I've been really passionate about for a long time. And I used the example in my article this week about Hakeem Alarabi, who was 
basically he was saved this week and we've seen Craig Foster at the helm of this story and and it has been sport that's been the vehicle that has helped start the discussions to save him and have and kind and of to open elevate doors. to yeah. open doors and mm. to and to make this humane result happen and that's been really well received and all I said is that I would like to see sport using its political muscle to help stamp out something that does result in the murder of one woman a week at the hands of a former or current partner. And it reminded me that we often talk about these issues on this program and um, on our podcast. And for a lot of people, a lot of women, we may be their only lifeline to that community of having that conversation because it can be too scary. So if you are facing issues like that, you can call 1-800-RESPECT and I, I will be repeating that number a lot this year because I think it's really important for you to know where you can get some help. But sport is changing and the language around sport is changing. We saw that in a beautiful example this week, Alicia. That's right. Language matters so much. And what you're talking about is one small aspect is peer pressure, that the peers won't stand for that kind of language. So at the football or anywhere, you won't, you will stand up to someone who is making a terrible comment. Uh, during the week, West Indies versus England during the third test, Joe Root was heard on stump microphones telling West Indies star Shannon Gabriel, don't use it as an insult. There's nothing wrong with being gay. That was a really classy response and one he just shut the language down quickly. Uh, Shannon Gabriel said that he was attempting to break down tension because he thought Joe Root was smiling and he said, I have no issue with that, but you shouldn't, you should stop smiling at me. It's still not okay because he's still at the base of it, used it as an insult. And the fact that Joe Root just called it out calmly and said, you can't talk like this, I think is a really great way forward for people talking out. And wasn't it great to see the response to that? Because I would imagine that, you know, 10 years ago, it would have been a really different um, conversation. Mm. And I, like our second guest ever on the podcast was Angie Green, who does amazing work through stand-up events. And her whole MO is let's stamp out homophobic language in sport and in schools. And I think Angie would have been, she would have had a big smile on her face. <laughs> she would have, absolutely. <laughs> Someone else is going to have a big smile on their face when they make their return this week to AFLW, Nicole Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> little treat. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to the um, amazing Melissa Hickey, who um, was is going to be making her debut as the captain of of the Cats for as the captain of Geelong after um, two seasons really as being a stalwart, a really strong champion really of the game for Melbourne. Um, she did her ACL in the round six last year um, playing Carlton at Princess Park and many would argue that really Melbourne's season I mean, they only missed the grand final by percentage. So they really, um, with Mel Hickey in the team, it could have been a really different outcome. So she's her loss has been felt hard by a, a lot of football fans, but certainly Melbourne fans as well. And now she gets to line up for her beloved cats. The Hickey family name is um, has been associated with the cats for a long time. And um, it would have been, I guess, the perfect return would have been at Cardinia Park under the in the shade of the Hickey stand. But... You know, she's pulling on the, the stripes, the hoops, this week. Um, oh, well, 
tonight, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow. She's playing on Sunday. At Norwood Oval. At Norwood Oval. Um, and another one who will be joining her coming back is Rocky Cranston, Michelle yeah. Cranston, who's returning from uh, suspension, um, a pre-season altercation, let's call it. So, um, yeah, some big names coming back in. Good it's to the, see them it's back. It's the first time that we will see that Geelong outfit in its full glory. Yeah. And Phoebe McWilliams back in as well. It is a very exciting time for you, Nicole Hayes, and for all of us indeed, because we are joined on the line by one of our all-time favourite players and favourite people. It is the Brisbane champion, Sabrina Frederick-Torb. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum, Sabs. Good morning, ladies. I've missed you guys. (laughs) Not as much as we've missed you. (laughs) How we've missed you and how we've been enjoying your Instagram life, where we (laughs) follow everything that you do. Now, Sam, I want to kick it off by asking you this question. Brisbane played D's on Sunday. Both of you have had a win and both of you have lost to Frio. Mm. Can you tell us what is going on with Frio? What was that game like? Um, it was a, it was a real running game. They were definitely after blood. They were very very hungry. And props to them. They've had a a slow start over the last couple of seasons, and I think now they're finally finding their feet and and gelling. And um, yeah, they were just a better team on the day. But um, I hope that this weekend we come away being the better team. And um. Yeah, hopefully put the sword to to Melbourne and come away with the win. Over the last couple of seasons, for those of our listeners who might not have followed AFLW, it's it's worth pointing out that Brisbane have been a a superstar powerhouse of the competition. You made the grand final both years, lost both years, unfortunately, but um, have been just very, very strong. But after last season, you did lose a number of big names, partly because of the uh, introduction of two new teams, new clubs uh, in Geelong and North Melbourne. How have you managed that disruption to the personnel? Yeah, it's. I mean, it definitely was something that we weren't expecting. Um, I guess that's part of the game, losing players and um, change, especially now with um, new teams coming in every year. But I think... Having the 10 new players and the additions to our team um, has actually been a good thing. I'm excited. It's 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 really changed the culture at the club and in, in a good way. It's a lot more light, I would say. And uh, uh, some people would think on paper we've really taken a hit, but sometimes it's not about that. It's about playing as a team and the culture that you have. And I think it's been really good just um, being around the new additions. And it's also been some older additions like Lauren Arnell that's been a massive impact to us. So it's, it's been good. We've loved watching her. Sabrina, it's Lucy here. Um, someone else we've loved watching is Ali Anderson, who's really mm. continued her hot form from last year. And I would say she's one of the competition's best midfielders. What does she bring to the team and, and how is your midfield going to take on that Melbourne midfield? Yeah, Ali's one that's just been consistent right from the get-go and I think people have only just started to realise that. But she's always been throwing up those um, consistent numbers mm. and she's very humble. She just gets her head head down and she does her job and, and that's all that you can ask for. And one thing that she reminds me of is, I'm not sure if you're NFL fans at all, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but um, the Patriots, how they just get their head down, they do their job and, and they get themselves over the line. She's very much like that. Um, and you always want that a part of your team. And um, I'm sure she'll, she'll get her head down and the other girls will um, match with Emily Bates as well, fighting the good fight. And um, I back them in to beat the Melbourne midfield. I know they've mm-hmm. been strong the last two years, but I definitely back them in to do the job. Hey, Sabs, it's Nick here. How are you? I'm good, thanks. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. 
uh, all the better for speaking to you. <laughs> You're blushing. She's acting I am blushing. You are my favourite player. I've confessed We're having that a moment. <laughs> um, speaking of having moments, you've had really different seasons for the last couple of years and, and I feel like you're coming out differently again. Is there a new strategy or like do you have a particular role that's altered as a result of the change in the team uh, personnel this year? Yeah, I mean, you can't have the same role every year if you have change. You have to be versatile and you have to, um, you know, strengthen the parts that are that are weak and everyone has to adjust a little bit. But I think um, now that we've got an extra tool in the forward line, that's been um, an adjustment to me as well, which has been good. But I think also adding three new young players into our forward line, that's been a huge thing for me because I've had to really step up in, in, in leadership. But I think... More so ground ball. I'm just trying to get to the ground a lot more. I think as a tall player, people underestimate what you can do on the ground. And I've been trying really, really hard to, to capitalise on, on that um, oversight. So um, hopefully, we're only round two in, so we're about to go into round three. Hopefully, I can keep working on that and, and keep adjusting my game because in the end of the day, the game always changes and you've got to be versatile. Hi, Seb. It's Alicia. Um, one thing we're loving off field is the social media and seeing it with GWS and Tate Mackerel this week and the way they do social media. And I think the Brisbane Lions are top shelf as well. What you do to introduce us to the players is gorgeous. But how many players does it take to put on a long sleeve Guernsey? I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's always a laugh, but honestly, those things are tight. They are very, very tight. It's like when you, you get out of the shower and you're trying to get tight jeans on. It's it's almost <laughs> impossible. Um, but those long sleeves, how good do they look? <laughs> where, will, where will they be used? The girls um, nominated to have long sleeves or short sleeves, and pretty much they've been using them for the hot games as well as, uh, I'm assuming, the cold games as well. But I think... Um, I, I regret not putting my hand up for one now. <laughs> and you can't get one midway through the season? Is that the way it rolls, Saps? Yeah, I think you have to put your order in at the beginning. <laughs> oh, I guess that's what happens with a short seven-week season. Yeah. Was there a reason that you were wearing them for being Sun Smart? Was that actually the catalyst? Yeah, so um, one of our players, Emily Bates, has been um, struggling with a bit of sun safety more recently and um, it, was her, it was her idea to start with was, to bring in the long sleeve and then Bree went back to Brent Brock, um, went back to Cotton On and said, is there a way that we can incorporate this into our into our playing apparel? And they said they came back and said, we can do a long sleeve and we can try and make it light as possible and, and that's the end product. So it did start with the, the sun safety, but I think some people just like the look of them as well. <laughs> it's so good. You had a really hot game against Fremantle. Does it sort of lock in the heat or are the girls okay? No, they they love it. So they think good. it's the best. They honestly think it's better than with the short sleeve. I even saw Kate Mack at one point chucking it in water before putting it on her. It's like a rashy. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know it's a summer sport when you're playing footy in a rashy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and a surfboard. Exactly right. Hey, Sam, <laughs> we're going to let you go, but I have one final question. Can you confirm or deny Craig Stasevich's man bag? Is it back for season three? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen him walking around with one. 
as of yet, but um, he's been working the Birkenstocks. He's been rocking the Birkenstocks more recently, so I think he's changing up a little bit this year. Well, we're looking forward to you getting us the um, like the fashion highs and lows from stars, <laughs> if you can, and also a huge congratulations from the Outer Sanctum on your engagement in the off oh, thank season. You very much. We have all poured over those videos of you and Lily getting engaged, and we're so pre- uh, so proud and so happy for you. And oh, thank you. And Sabs, just so you know, we've got all of our bridesmaids dresses ready to roll. Yeah. <laughs> That's good because those are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be rashies. Is that okay? <laughs> Sabs, thank you so much for joining us on The Outer Sanctum. We wish you the very best of luck as you um, take on the Ds this weekend and we'll speak to you later on in the season. Thanks, ladies. We just love Sabrina frederick Traub. She's an absolute superstar. Ladies, we're almost getting towards the end of our hour. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Which game's going to catch your eye? Because, you know, I'll be watching Carlton GWS very, very closely. I can't go past that Lions and Melbourne game. And I've actually got an omen, and I couldn't say it when Sabrina was on the phone, but this game's at Hickey Park. And you might think that that actually works against Melbourne because Melissa Hickey's not there. But we have a new Hickey. Oh, I just said we. (laughs) So Jordan Hickey will be playing for Melbourne. So I think that is going to be the decider. Well, you've given your true colours away there, Lucy. As a as a D supporter, I'm going to give my true colours away as a Crows supporter oh, and say yeah. that I'm I'm really really excited to see the Crows play the Cats this weekend. I think that should mm. be a fantastic game. Geelong have been in good form and and are lucky not to be um you know two and two and zero I think. And um, the Crows were fantastic last weekend, so I think that should be a tight one. Yeah, and seeing Chelsea Randall back in the side too, that's going to that's going to really test them. I think it'll be. I think that's actually probably going to be the the match of the round. Um, that would be my take. I'm excited about Frio Collingwood today at Frio Oval. Uh, the Dockers have their highest scoring team, 126 points, and the Magpies have posted their lowest to date, 32 points. So, uh, yeah. I hope that it's excited. good. I hope it's not a scary scoreline. Yeah, yeah and, me and too. And it will be really interesting to see what Hildebrand brings. Yep. We, we mentioned earlier GWS as well, and I just wanted to say that they've been doing, Alicia mentioned they've been yeah. doing great work on social media, great work recently, putting out some little videos about the players who've been picked. So yeah. great and good luck the to Tate them. So one's good. great. They yeah. have really been making me cry, those videos. We'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. Thanks to Isabel Huntington, Sabrina frederick Traubs, Sarah Perkins, and, of course, huge thanks to our producer, Tess, who makes those beautiful packages for us. We would love you to follow us on all of our socials. Um, we're very active on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and you can speak to us there throughout the week. So we love hearing from you. There's not much left for us to say, but go, go footy. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.